Hey, Risto here with George Mason University. I am joined today by Dr. Ashley Phelps. Uh, she's in her first year at the University of New Mexico. Uh, she published this 2020 article we're discussing today titled Credit Our Comparisons Across Various Physical Education Teacher Education Institutions in the U.S. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Risto, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure and to be quite honest, a dream come true. So thank you for having me. Awesome. Um, can you start off by just telling us what led you to writing this article? Uh, you touch on kind of the relative lack of analysis in this area. Um, the last paper was, was done several years ago. Um, so why was it important for you to do this study? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, back in 2015, the fall of 2015, uh, a good buddy and colleague of mine, Chad Killian, mm -hmm. uh, had approached me with this idea uh, that really piqued my curiosity. And he had this idea in that based on the type of institution you attend uh, as a pre-service physical education teacher, uh, whether it's a um, research-based institution such as the University of New Mexico, uh, or whether it's a teaching type of institution, a smaller institution rather, uh, if those types of institutions very well impacted a pre-service physical education teacher's experience. Uh, for example, at a research institution, their coursework may be uh, grounded in, in theory and or research, whereas at a teaching institution, it may be uh, more pedagogical, for mm -hmm. example. And so, yeah, we wanted to see if, if there were differences. And um, so uh, a, a couple years had gone by um, and Chad began his dissertation. And with his permission, I decided to carry the study to completion. And uh, and so, you know, I, I kind of wanted to make this a follow up to um, Ayers, a study that was published back in, oh, gosh, 2008, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, I wanted to conduct a secondary data analysis. And sometimes this type of analysis, it, it can be viewed as a non-ideal way of collecting data. However, we were able to pull some phenomenal data, honestly, data that I believe uh, can very well be overlooked. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so that is um, uh, kind of the inception of the study, where that came from, and um, uh, uh, the reason being that I wanted to conduct it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I know uh, Chad's been on the podcast before, and he's he's inching up on the top five podcasts of all time and downloads. So. Oh, Oof. fantastic. Yeah. So. I'm, I, hey, listen, I listened to that podcast, and of course, I messaged him right after. It, just so proud of him, and it's kind of cool that we can like we can share that now. Mm -hmm. You know that experience. Yeah, yeah. So, so can you talk about why your findings on credit hour requirements have such an impact on PE teachers specifically? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, uh, are are you ready for I'm what ready. I'm about to tell you, Let's Risto? Go. Are you are you sitting down? Uh, I always sit down during podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I can teach you to be a physical education teacher in approximately a year and a half. And now I have major issues with this finding. 
okay? Um, the, the hands-on nature of teaching physical education uh, typically doesn't really occur until the second half of your junior year. And for me, this is a, a big red flag, okay? Uh, we are in a profession that learns by doing and that is very much physical. And when a third of your credit hours are dedicated to general education credits, uh, such as math, science, English, and what have you, uh, it makes you wonder, well, gosh, you know, <laughs> how come we're taking more credit hours, you know, during our general education experience than what we are when we actually enter our major? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so, you know, this finding for me was huge. Um, and, and I really wanted to deliver that message to our audience and that, hey, folks, uh, we, we need some sort of credit hour allocation change. Uh, we need to dedicate more credit hours to the actual major in order to produce what we call quality physical education teachers. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that the U.S. is very specific in this to me, a very backward system and a very strange system. I understand where it's where it comes from from the general sure. education piece, but you know, you look at other universities in different countries, and they may have a five-year program that gets you a master's degree, but you're only learning how to teach physical education, how to talk about education, taking pedagogy courses. You're not spending the time in these in math and religion and different yes. classes that you talked about in your, yes, in your exactly. paper. So um, I've also, I've, I've struggled with this and I know that we're going to talk about this later on about how to possibly fix this or what the kind of barriers are because there are tons of barriers like accreditation sure. that, um, mm -hmm. that we'll go to. But let me, let me ask you this first. Can you, can you talk about what previous research has shown in regard to first year teacher struggles um, when we do, you know, produce a PE teacher in one and a half years and, um, how, how do those findings that you've had related to those kind of struggles? Yeah, you bet. So, so the struggle for induction year teachers is real, Risto, mm -hmm. you know, the struggle is real. Um, so like, for example, uh, first year teachers, they, they often struggle, uh, with pedagogical techniques uh, such as management or uh, utilizing assessment in their curriculum and or using technology as a tool to teach uh, their students. And it is almost unanimous in the research uh, that newly inducted physical education teachers wished they had more experiences and preparation in those areas. Uh, and, and yeah, and so we, we see this in the research, you know, um, upon uh, qualitative research, especially when we've interviewed uh, first year physical education teachers, although they may have been um, enrolled into a, a class that focused solely on technology and or maybe lessons dedicated to technology. And I'm just using technology as an example. Um, even though they may have had those experiences, they weren't enough. Uh, it was either one, 
or the other, meaning it was either one course dedicated to that topic or it was woven throughout the program, but it was not made prominent, for example. And, uh, and so that's what I found in, in previous research is that, you know, our new physical education teachers, they're willing and eager uh, to uh, implement technology assessment, learn about diversity in physical education, uh, but they simply were not provided uh, that that type of opportunity uh, in their PEAT programs. Yeah. yeah, and that was one of the things that when I when I came to Mason and I started teaching a secondary methods class, I asked the students what they're most worried about going into their mm. student teaching, and they said, "Well, we uh, some of them haven't been in a secondary classroom since mm. they were in high school, and if they right. didn't take." the last two years of high school, they were 16 years old when they were in high school right. the last time. And, you know, they might work in after school programs in elementary school settings or something like that. But if they're not coaching or they're not around high school students, they, they just haven't had that experience. So no doubt. So let's talk about the breakdown. Can you can you explain the different roles played by the major credit hours and field experience credit hours and why you separated them and how they impact uh, pre-service PE uh, teachers differently. Yeah, you bet. So, well, we first we separated major credit hours uh, from field experience credit hours uh, to better differentiate between content knowledge experiences and the more physical pedagogical experiences. Um, which are found in in the uh, field experiences and or internships or practicums or what have you. And so we wanted to make sure that we differentiated the two. Um, oftentimes, for example, if you enroll in a methods course, uh, it, typically there's an extra credit attached to that course for uh, field the field experience alone. Uh, and so we wanted to be able to differentiate, okay, well, how many actual courses does a pre-service physical education teacher enroll in, uh, learn about the content, learn about some ped pedagogical uh, content knowledge, of course, um, but then how they implement that knowledge during their actual um, uh, practice teachings, field experiences, micro lessons, and so on and so forth. And so, so that's the reason being that we differentiated between the two. And uh, as I'm sure you know, major credits, kind they serve as like the uh, foundational courses, at least that's how we viewed them. So, for example, introduction to physical education, assessment technology, and diversity in physical education, where we're learning about those topics and, and not actually implementing uh, what we've learned in those classes. And so uh, that's why we wanted to differentiate between the two. So where did you add, like, let's say I take a three-unit uh, class. So for a Mason, like you take a three unit class in elementary methods. Sure. In addition to that, you're required to do a 15 hour field experience, but it's not noted as a, um, it's not noted in the catalog as like an extra field experience. Sure. So does that, where, where does that class fall in? Would that class fall into introduction courses? Yeah. So gosh, that's a good question. Um, so we definitely looked at the separate field experience hours that were required uh, for you to take during your PEAT program. And, um, you know, 
you have to understand that uh, throughout the data collection process, it's important to note that we only viewed the curriculum guides mm -hmm. for these programs. And so um, we did not take it a step further, if you will, right. and, um, you know, email the instructor if we could find the instructor on record and ask for their syllabi mm -hmm. uh, to see whether or not. Um, you know, they did offer field experience hours as part of that course. But if, uh, our, so that's, but if mm -hmm. we had like a three unit course plus one unit practicum, correct. you would add that one unit in as field experience, right? That's correct. Okay. Yes, because we were able to differentiate visually with our with our eyes, mm -hmm. you know, okay, well, we know that this is separate. Yeah. And, and so yeah, so it's important to note that, you know, throughout the, the data collection process. Okay. So yeah, let's talk about that process. Can you tell me about the methods you used in the study, how you kind of use the Carnegie classifications? And basically, what did you do in the in the study? You bet, you bet. So uh there are a little over uh, 500 peak programs in the United States, which is fantastic. I, I don't think um, most of us are aware of this, you know. And and uh, so what we did was we used what is called the Peterson Index, which is essentially a, a college search engine uh, to help us look up institutions that contained peak programs. And so once we identified these programs, we implemented what is called a, a lottery procedure uh, that drew on well-mixed numbers, which is actually a very fun procedure. Um, random numbers pop up, and then uh, whatever institution has that number, then you'll use that institution for your study. Um, but, but this helped us to randomly select undergraduate PEAT programs from that list. So uh, another important note is for this particular study, we looked at undergraduate PEAT programs um, as opposed to graduate PEAT programs. Uh, the two are drastically different from one another, and so we wanted to look at the undergraduate experience. Uh, and so, as mentioned previously, you know, I we conducted a secondary data analysis, uh, so no human subjects were involved. It just included basic uh, web searches. And uh, in looking at the curriculum guides for each institution, I noticed uh, that an undergraduate encounters three phases throughout their post-secondary education, the first of which is the general education phase. And as we had already talked about and discussed, um, this phase is often um, encountered uh, initially as soon as you enter your uh, uh, higher education. And of course, this includes courses such as English, math, science, history, religion, so on and so forth. Uh, and then once that individual has completed their general education credits, uh, they then work their way into what we call uh, their professional education. And this is where uh, our future teachers or pre-service teachers are introduced to education. So, for example, these courses might include introduction to teaching, um, classroom management, um, uh, let's see, disabilities in the classroom. Uh, and so these types of courses, more often than not, are absolutely catered to the classroom teacher uh, as opposed to the physical education teacher. 
And then, and sometimes these professional education credits, they, they can be taken either prior or in conjunction with your major credits. Uh, and your major credits are, woo, you know, you finally entered your PEAT major, you know, you've been waiting, gosh, a year, year and a half, you know, to get there. And um, you're taking courses that are solely dedicated to physical education. Uh, and, and so with that being said, well, we looked at the Carnegie classifications and for this particular study, um, we identified three types. You have your uh, doctoral institutions and or research heavy institutions. Uh, and then you have your master's colleges and universities, followed by the baccalaureate colleges. And so within each of those classifications are various uh, uh, components, if you will, or levels rather. Uh, so doctoral universities, uh, three types, you have very high research activity followed by high research activity, followed by doctoral slash professional universities. Um, and these types of universities, they award 20 or more doctoral degrees um, or 30 or more professional practice doctoral degrees, such as um, becoming an MD, for example. And then uh, our master's colleges and universities are broken down uh, by larger, medium, and smaller programs, a little more self-explanatory in, uh, in that area. And these colleges and universities uh, award 50 or more master's degrees, uh, but fewer than 20 doctoral degrees. Uh, and then lastly, we had baccalaureate colleges. There are an amalgamation of, of baccalaureate colleges out there. However, we decided to focus on um, arts and sciences focused and diverse fields baccalaureate colleges. And so these are classified as baccalaureate because at least half of the degrees offered are bachelor's degrees. And so that's how we broke down the uh, classifications uh, for this particular study. And then lastly, you know, for data analysis, we cranked out some descriptives. Uh, we conducted a paired sample t-test. We wanted to see if there were differences, obviously, <clears throat> pardon me, between um, major credit hours, general education credit hours, and so on and so forth. And then uh, we carried out a little ANOVA and MANOVA, um, again, just to kind of compare uh, and examine the variations uh, in these non-combined variables. Right. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's a methods breakdown for you. <laughs> awesome. And I think it's interesting that there's probably people who are listening to this from an international point of view going, wait, what? They take two years of classes that have nothing to do with physical education, and then they go into general education <laughs> classes, and then they finally have a, a few of these specialized classes to teach what you actually teach. So, right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I think back to my undergrad, Risto, I, I went to Arizona State University, phenomenal institution, had wonderful mentors there. And, um, you know, thinking back on it while conducting the study, I thought to myself, my gosh, I didn't take my first physical education class until the second semester um, of my sophomore year. And uh, gosh, and, you know, you think about general education credits, we're already learning this stuff in high school. 
Uh, and, and again, you know, it, I'm not saying that these credits are not important. You know, they certainly are. They, they help to shape a well-rounded individual upon graduation. Um, but I, I think it's worth, it, it's worth saying that, you know, maybe you could take a semester of general education credits and then boom, you can dive into your major. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, and I think, I think overall we're doing a disservice to the, mm. the training program that we could provide for future PE teachers when we, we spend so much time in the general education. That said, yes. I, I think that, you know, high schools, depending on where you are, are very different. So I think that's where the, the issue becomes is, you know, you're going into college, not everybody's at the same level. Not everybody has had a rich curriculum in, you know, some sure. of these general education classes. So, but let's, let's talk about your, your results and let's kind of have a conversation about this. You, you found that general education credit hours make up the majority of credit hour requirements, which was the same as the, the last you know, 10 years ago when a similar study was done, you mm -hmm. saw that the next was the major credit hours and then your field experience requirements. Can you talk about how this affects, you know, pre-service PE teachers and, and just in general PE programs? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we found that on average, uh, pre-service physical education teachers are taking approximately 45 credit hours to satisfy their their general education credit requirements and when it comes to the actual PEEP major uh, our PEEPETs um, they're only required to take 35 major credits mm -hmm. this is a semester worth of classes difference <laughs> Right. Um, and, and so this finding alone was absolutely outstanding uh, to me and honestly a little scary. Um, but I was super pumped to find this because I did have a hunch, you know, going into this study. I, I really believed and well wondered and believed that, you know, gosh, these general education credits are just taking up too much space, you know, and so. Um, as far as uh, field experiences are concerned, you know, it's like I mentioned earlier, it's important to note that, you know, we just we looked at the number of credit hours required, not the actual practicum hours uh, that were required. And like, for example, you know, some P programs require an upwards of like 130 field experience hours. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and it's also uh, important to point out that. A third of the 122 average credit hours required to graduate were solely dedicated uh, to general education credits. Okay. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but um, but this is an issue, you know, and, and that is that that was the main issue that I wanted to um, uh, address in our discussion. Yeah. And so. I think that, you know, I, I read in one of the older articles, there was a range that you put down of how many units it took to graduate. And mm. the top range was 156 units in one university. And this is several years ago. But I found that interesting because I think for a while, 
you know, we were adding classes. We, we were realizing that there's a problem, right? So PEAT programs would add classes. So then the major was 135 units or 130 uh-huh. units. And I, and I know at, you know, Kelsey Fullerton, when, um, you know, they were trying to close the achievement gap and the graduation rate and, you know, there's this big push nationwide saying, hey, you can't advertise a four-year college degree when you can't ah. finish it in four years. So then we were cut at 120. Like, going over ah. three units over 120 was just not, like, you weren't allowed to do it. So it was always this idea of, okay, if you want to, for instance, like uh, Jen Walton Fassett has talked about this in her papers, Sue Sutherland, their big study of looking at social justice as a single class and how mm-hmm. that is addressed across the curriculum or in individual classes. Sure. And a lot of PEAT institutions don't have a set social justice class. So right. how do you add it? If you add mm-hmm. it, you gotta cut something. So mm-hmm. what's gonna be cut? Okay. We're going to add a social justice class, but we're going to take away our assessment class and we're going to span the assessment into elementary methods, secondary methods and all this other stuff. Sure. But it's not that we can't add like we can add, but we got to cut something. And I think Mm -hmm. that's been that's been an issue, um, you know, where we look at, like you said, 35 major credits. That's you could do 35 credits in one year yeah, a summer school if you're if you're absolutely what you should be doing as an undergrad is having 15 units if you're able to keep that balance because uh-huh. 15 units a semester is going to gra- get you to graduation in four years and for international right. folks that's five full-time classes every semester right so right and you know i i am curious uh, as to see, I mean, honestly, I, I think it would be interesting to compare classroom teachers' curricular experiences to that of a physical education teacher's mm-hmm. and really truly see if there are any differences. You know what I'm getting at? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if. Uh, you know, we're often marginalized, you know, in, in the field, um, both. Uh, mentally as well as spatially on campus and you know like I wonder if those that are going to become classroom teachers if they take more major credit hours uh, compared to you know our future physical education teachers I mean that that would be worth looking into you know but I think also those uh, those students who are let's say for a generalist elementary classroom teacher all of those classes that are the general education classes that PE mm. teachers are taking, those are geared towards them. I've, sure. I've had tons of students that go into those types of classes and go, they're not teaching to PE. How does this relate to PE? Yeah. Right. And so, whereas yeah. if you're a general classroom teacher, that kind of counts as a major course instead of right. a general kind of uh, class for education. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the, the order of when we're taking these classes, that was one of the things that, Mm. you know, I was thinking about when you said, you know, your second semester, sophomore year was when the first time you took a PE course. Our, our student body at Mason is probably 
I would guess, at least 90% junior college transfers. So Ah. they've taken their general education somewhere else, but once they come in to class, their first semester they're taking intro to PE. If we have a true freshman come in, they're also taking intro to PE in their first year Uh, so we can get them acclimated into the program so they're in the program for four years slowly going through their coursework yes. but that's totally different from a junior college transfer uh, yeah absolutely and you know there were some instances uh in the curriculum guides that we analyzed where you know an individual would very well take um you know for example intro to physical education uh in their first or second semester but it was very rare mm-hmm. um which i found to be quite interesting um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, a, a freshman um, coming in, you know, that's bright eyed and bushy tailed compared to, you know, a junior college, a JUCO transfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and heck, actually, that might be interesting to look at, too. <laughs> I yeah. have my research cap on right now. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. And I think those are the those are the balancing issues that uh, a department head needs to needs to be able to make. When are those classes offered? Are you offering enough? With the reduction in students entering just general teaching programs across the board, the huge teacher shortage, are we, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have programs that have gone from, you know, 200 students to 100 or 100 to mm-hmm. 50 and now you're thinking, where are the where are the classes being offered? And and I think you said earlier about having 500 peep programs is great, which it is. But there is right. zero consistency across. If I went to, you know, you uh, University of Illinois, Arizona, Virginia, California, North Dakota, there's some overlap for sure, but what classes are being offered are is everybody getting the same education no should they no they should get right an education for that specific community but i also think that there's no real like are are you supposed to teach models at a university there there are people that graduate without understanding curriculum models but they might be a really good PE teacher there are other ones that learn seven curriculum models and are really well versed in theory but like your article says they had an average of 9.6 units of field work and they haven't been in front of kids right right no i i completely agree with you and it's so interesting because our field um has so many different curriculums Right, that we could teach our students. I mean, it, it's like a grab bag mm-hmm. of um, of what we can teach our students. And you know, I, there is no wrong curriculum. Um, you know, and and so yeah, this this is tough. It's tough for our field because it's so um, wishy washy in a sense, uh, for lack of a better term. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. I love that I, I, I had prepared so many questions and I didn't ask any of them. I just went off oh. <laughs> the cuff. But let's let's talk about the fixes. Okay. You talk about transferring the balance of general education credits into peak credits and ramping up field experience in place of general ed credits. What about that and other possible changes? Like what what are those that you feel like could fix this? 
Right. Yeah. So, you know, this is a this is a tough question. I, I certainly do not have the end all be all answer uh, to this question. However, you know, I have some ideas. Um, the the main idea uh, in which is that advocacy of some sort has to occur on behalf of the peak faculty. Uh, so, for example, the PEAT faculty, they have to come together to strengthen the rigor of their programs. And in doing this, you know, I, I see them as collaborating uh, with the department in which they're housed, uh, the college in which they're housed, and the institution to figure out a, a schedule somehow, some way that is conducive to cranking out a quality physical education teacher. That's the best answer I can provide mm -hmm. you with, Risto. And, and, you know, again, I, I'm not quite sure what this would look like. Uh, I know you had mentioned early on in the podcast um, accreditation and, and satisfying those requirements and so on and so forth. Um, but, but the major uh, aspect of, of making this possible change uh, for me would be to advocate for the program. Mm -hmm. um, you know, talking to the department chair, hey, listen, you know, uh, we're, we're thinking about, um, you know, in, including courses A, B, and C, you know, how can we do this? How can you help us um, to achieve this? You know, what are the steps that we have to take uh, as a program and within the department and, and um, the college, how can the institution uh, help us to reframe uh, our program in such a way, you know, that our pre-service physical education teachers are uh, starting to take courses yeah. beginning in their freshman year, for example. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so that's that's really my my main idea I have in order to instill uh, these possible yeah. changes would and, be to advocate, yeah. And I think that those are the the barriers that we run into is accreditation. Every year that accreditation right. comes up, everybody's busy trying to figure out how do we stay accredited? How do we make sure that we don't lose accreditation, which would be tragic in, in a right. university. So you try everything to make sure everything's lined up. And, you know, we have faculty who are appointed 100% of the time just to look over accreditation in the College of Education. Sure. And those are positions that are created to make sure that we jump through these hoops. So everything right. you, you think about, it's like, okay, well, what about accreditation? And we add to this another level of the SPA accreditation. So this is mm. for you know specialized programs. So for physical education, are you still doing a SPA accreditation, which for a long time... For instance, Mason was doing this through Shape America. So the first year I came in, my first class that I taught was secondary methods. And I was told that I have to do mandatory fitness testing for mm. the for the Pete students. I'm like, mm. mandatory fitness testing? Why is that? <laughs> and they're like, well, that counts as because they had external reviewers come in and evaluate the program. And they said, because Shape America says... It's health and physical education 
that they continue to be physically active and have a health related fitness outcomes or whatever. And Mm, so they determine it as we have to test them when they come into the program. And then twice in my 404, you know, secondary methods class, I had to test Mm -hmm. the students. And I'm like, that, that takes a long time to go through the fitness testing battery that cut two classes out of me going through that. And so long story short, we no longer have to be a part of that spa accreditation in in our university, maybe in Virginia. So am I going through and mandatory doing mandatory fitness tests for my students? No, I don't believe in that. I don't think that sure. we should. But I think that those are always the push and pull of where we where we really do this. And and it's tough. I think I'll, I'll add one thing that I think could be possible for anybody out there is figuring out how to fit a health or and physical education related general education course offer a gen ed course that's lifetime learning or physical fitness or global experiences or whatever those umbrella terms are propose a new course add you know 30 seats to that course teach that course every semester and then push your students to go do it that way you're you're kind of like carving yourself a hole from the um from the general ed without breaking any rules and 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 accreditation and hopefully your college level then looks at you and goes oh, they are bringing a lot more income into the program than before. What happened? Oh, we have three sections of, you know, physical activity and lifelong well-being, whereas you're recruiting also from those classes into the PEAT program. Yes. Yep, I was just about to touch on that. You know, wouldn't it be great to have a PEAT faculty teach a – a fitness class, for example, to freshmen and or just a, a holistic physical activity type of class. And then in a sense, um, and we do have recruitment issues in mm-hmm. the field, but in a sense, use that class as grounds uh, for, you know, trying to recruit uh, future pre-service physical education teachers into the program. I mean, wouldn't that be something? Yeah. And we've we've had the most success because we offer accredited or licensure in health and physical education, we've had the most success in offering uh, health courses under the health and physical education umbrella, because those are things like mental health and things like that. But if they're under our program, those are things that are interesting to other students. And then we kind of pull them into the physical activity world. And so, yes, exactly. Absolutely. No, that's a good point, Risto. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, I, I love the article. I, I love where our conversation went. And I think, you know, these are really serious issues. And again, I think one of the biggest things that your article showed that in the last 10 years, nothing's, nothing's changed that, you know, researchers had advocated and yelled from the rooftops 10, 15 years ago. And we haven't been able to make those changes. So I think that those are the those are the policy questions that we should get into and kind of figure out how to how to do this. 
Absolutely. And hey, that that's uh, what I'm looking to do, you know, is is make a difference somehow, some way. You know, I want to put us on the map, uh, make us a, a prominent subject. And, you know, thanks so much, Risto, for having me on today. Uh, I'm, I'm so thankful and, and blessed and appreciative um, for this opportunity to be able to talk to you about this. And uh, I'd love to have further conversations with you on it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, so for those of you who want to read the article, you can check out the full citation in the comments section. Um, that's all we got for this one. If you uh, have not yet, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. And if you're a PEAT professor and use these in your classes, drop me a quick email. Let me know um, what's working. And if you're a listener and you're thinking that there's a voice that's uh, being missed here, whether that's you know a specific line of research or a specific scholar, uh, send me an email. Let me know. Um, we'd love to include as many opinions as possible. So um, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next HPE podcast.